Hey everyone, I'm Kelly Mobeck, a coach and a leadership trainer, and I'm super passionate about helping you find out who you are authentically as a leader, own it, and go out and make an impact in your life and the lives of others. This world needs your leadership, your gifts, your unique brilliance, and I believe that real leaders don't wait, they create. I know firsthand that life is gonna throw us curveballs, that we're gonna doubt our greatness, our ideas, and our contributions. And my goal is that you believe in yourself beyond reason, and I get to be a coach and a champion for you each week so that you feel inspired, motivated, and most important, in action toward your unique impact in this world. So let's jump in. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Coach Kelly, and I am so incredibly thrilled today because we have an amazing guest who is a best-selling author of Ignite Your Parenting and an all-around amazing human being. She is releasing her new book tomorrow, April 27th, Building a Legacy of Love Inside the Sandwich Generation. And I am so excited and honored that we get to have her here today to start a conversation that is so important and not many of us are thinking about. Her commitment and follow through on her passion is absolutely extraordinary. So when she said yes, I was like, yay, I'm so excited to introduce you all to her. So I am thrilled to introduce Christy Byrne Yates. She is a mother of two, now adult children. She is an expert in navigating the challenges and opportunities in life, including living in the sandwich generation, which is those that are raising children who are also caring for an aging parent. Special needs education and parenting are part of her jam. She incorporates meditation mindfulness practices, and emotional freedom techniques, also known as EFT, into her work along with other evidence-based practices to support growth, goal achievement, and a pathway to living your best life now. Yes, please. In California, she is a licensed educational psychologist, also known as an LEP, and a credentialed school psychologist as well as a certified coach, speaker, and author. It is my extreme pleasure to welcome Christy to the podcast. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. And I I, re- I listen to you and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, who is that? That's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate that introduction. I feel great. I'm really thrilled to be here and happy to talk with you and and yeah, let's let's see what's up. Let's go. Let's go. I am so jazzed that you're here today. So, right out of the gate, could you tell us what is the sandwich generation? Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's kind of a weird term, right? And it was coined back in the 1950s, I think, by a social worker, but basically it's people who are raising children and also caring for either directly caring for or managing the care of aging parent or parents, right? So you're kind of sandwiched between two different generations. So, you know, really it, it, you you could belong to any generation, right? You might be a baby boomer. You might be a, a, a Gen Z. And in fact, right now, a lot of baby boomers are in this 
in this space because our parents are aging and our kids are growing up and and we're kind of at that age where we've got them both going on, right? So mm-hmm. we're kind of squished between two different sets of people who need us a lot and that we have to show up for. So it's that sandwich generation, you're, you're feeling squeezed. Mm-hmm. In my experience, I, I felt squeezed, but I also felt pulled apart sometimes. So whatever metaphor but you want to use, that's what it is. But sandwich generation has has stuck through the years, and that's that's kind of the group that we're talking about. So it's it is something that we don't think about, right? We we have our kids and we think we think all these wonderful things and this is what we're going to do and this is what it's going to be like. And then we don't stop to notice that our parents are aging and then mm-hmm. suddenly they might need us. Right. So, yeah, that's right. what happens. We're, we are not naturally thinking about that. It's absolutely right. In the book, you share a framework Can you tell us about that and how you found it to be helpful? So I had to kind of come up with, uh, like I I said, I felt pulled apart, right? Mm -hmm. And the unique thing about the sandwich generation is you're witnessing this, you know, developmental process of your kids that you can kind of relate to, right? Because Mm -hmm. you have been through that, right? Maybe you don't remember being in diapers and toddling around, but you sure remember, you know, your first heartbreak as a teenager or feeling bullied or, or as a young adult going to college, you know, you remember these things and you can kind of empathize and and have compassion for and talk with your kids a little bit about that. But then on the other end, we, there's a developmental process happening with our parents too. And we don't, there aren't as many books written about that, right? I mean, how many parenting books and groups are there? And not as many for aging parents, right? And the develop specifically around the developmental process, like what's happening, right? Those stages of aging. And and we're seeing that and we haven't been there yet. So it's a little hard to understand sometimes. And so I had to kind of wrap for me, <laughs> I'm sort of a, as a geek, I had to kind of come up with a framework. And, and as I started listening and learning and researching and looking at things, I really saw that there were t- two things happening, right? There was my stress level, right? How much how much stress was I taking on and, and how much support did I have for myself? So, you know, really, did I have things in place to help me feel competent and, and, and cared for? And then the other continuum that I saw was knowledge, right? Like I said, we have some knowledge about our kids growing up because A, we have been there and B, there's just a plethora of information out there, right? Parenting magazines and, you know, to be sure, to be fair, there are there are books out there about aging process, but we're not buying those, right? Because we're not mm-hmm. thinking about those so much. But there's that knowledge base. What do I do? So I kind of saw it as, you know, imagine a, a grid with, uh, you know, a, a, an x-axis and a y-axis, and see, that's my brainiac uh, <laughs> psychology thing, right? But I, I so I just saw four quadrants, right? So in one quadrant, we might not have any support, like we don't have good support going on in our lives, period. And we have no idea what to do. And I saw that as how does that impact our families? Like mm-hmm. if you're in a, if you're the parent in that situation, your kids are always learning. And what they might be learning there is that life is really chaotic. So that's kind of a legacy. We might be transmitting a legacy of chaos in that, mm-hmm. in that regard, right? In another position, we might have um, a lot of support in place, right? Like we have people to help us, 
but we have no idea what to do. And that might be more of a, a legacy of um, like obligation or, or, or uh, duty. And we might feel like life is really, uh, really hard. And so, we, you know, we have to kind of look at what, what are our kids learning as we're, um, you know, as we're, as we're doing this. And so then another, in another area, we might have no support and, but we know what to do. And we, and then it just feels burdensome because we know how hard it's going to be. Right. So, and finally, we might have a legacy of love where we have the support we need and we know how to find out what we don't know. Because there's plenty of things we're never going to know. But if we know how to find those or find people who can help us with that, then we start to feel more available to our parents emotionally and more available to our kids emotionally. So that was my framework, right? Like, how do we get to a legacy of love? And there were times, I'm telling you, Kelly, where I was like in chaos all the time. Like, yeah. it's like I have no idea what to do and who's going to help me and oh my gosh. And then there were other times when I was like, okay, I've got this. And eventually more and more, I tried to show up in this legacy of love. Like, what am I teaching my kids about aging what mm-hmm. am I teaching my children about compassion? Mm-hmm. How is showing up for someone? I mean, there's, there's some research out there that says that small, consistent, small acts of compassion, you know, are really good for us and our souls and our, our bodies too, because we start to release oxytocin. Mm-hmm. But we can't show up with that level of compassion if we're totally stressed out, right? So we got to right. kind of look at all the different levels. I love that framework so much. And I love how you're really, I love legacy of love. I think that's so amazing. And I think that bringing in that compassion, compassion for self, compassion for our parents, compassion for our kids and all the dynamics that are going on at the same time is so important. And I know you lived it. I mean, this this is this is what you lived. And so I think that it's so important that you are bringing this out into the world to have have this conversation because we're we're not really just like you said we don't have a frame of reference for it yeah we have a yeah, frame of yeah. reference for being a child but we don't necessarily <laughs> have a frame of reference for aging because we haven't gone there yet so I it just <laughs> ooh, I am so happy that you've got this and I am curious what are some of the most important things for families to discuss when they think about aging parents? What are some of those important right. conversations? Thank you. That is that is absolutely why I wrote this book. Is mm-hmm. um, And I wrote this book after losing my parents, both of them uh, seven weeks apart, um, and they died in 2015. And my kids were in high school and, and at the time that they died. But we've been caring for them, managing their lives to some extent, increasingly over time for about five to six years. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things I, I thought it, after I came back to work, because I took a little time off when, when my mom was in hospice, and I, I came back and people were like asking me a million questions like, oh my gosh, I'm going through the same thing now. So it started to dawn on me, you know, like I really wasn't as alone as I thought. There's other people here struggling. Mm-hmm. And how come we're not talking about this? Because one of the things I learned in this process over these six years is there are lots of great, rich, necessary conversations we could be having with our parents so that, you know, at a time when it wasn't a crisis, so that we really came to uh, know what they want in the end of their life, uh, how they want to live. Um, and, and really, it's not, you know, a lot of people are scared to have these conversations because they think, oh, well, we're talking about 
to my parents about their dying, mm-hmm. but we're really talking to them about how they want to live. Mm-hmm. We want to ask how they want to live towards the end of their life and what do they want? What do they feel is most important to them? Um, and so really, I hope this book hits on a couple different levels, but the most important things are to just have these discussions like mom, dad, what do you want at the end of your life? You know, mm-hmm. what, what kind of life sustaining support do you want? What kind of living situation do you want to be in? What can mm-hmm. you do? What, and we have to look at finances and we have to look at, um, medical issues and, you know, for me and, and for many Americans, um, we have parents who may have some level of dementia and they can't make those decisions after a while. So if we started having those conversations mm-hmm. 10 years back as just part of realizing that if we know what they want, then we're better able to show up and help them make sure they get what they wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the other kind of awareness I came to, Kelly, was that I had to start having these conversations for myself, right? Yeah. I had to start, like, as I was looking at my parents, my husband and I looked at each other and said, dang it, we don't have all this stuff together. We yeah. Maybe maybe the best way we can have conversations with your parents and, and my husband with his parents is, what do we want for our yes. lives? Mm-hmm. So when we started to do that for ourselves, we could start to then also to relate to my parents and say, okay, what do you need? What do you want? And I was blessed. I was so blessed that my parents had made a lot of these decisions. And I'll tell you why they made a lot of these decisions. They made a lot of these decisions ahead of time because both of them had been primary caretakers for both of their parents at the end of their lives, right? Mm -hmm. My mother's mother died, uh, early. Um, and, but her father lived to be 99 and my mother was really the her, she had one other sibling who didn't live in the country. So she was really the person taking care of a lot of things. So that woke her up to, I need to make sure my kids know what we want. Mm -hmm. And same with my dad. He wasn't the primary caretaker, but he was the oldest of three and, uh, was aware of what her caretaking, my grandparents caretaking was. And it woke him up to, I, you know, my wife and I, my mom, we need to decide what our kids are going to know about all of this. So I think having that preparation and that role modeling from my parents, that's what gave me the idea of it's a legacy of love. My parents gave me that legacy mm-hmm. and now I needed to show up and, and prepare that legacy for my own children. Cause like I said, kids are always learning. I mean, they're always learning and they're not usually learning just from what we tell them, right? They're right. learning from what they're seeing us do. And yes. so when they were, when my kids are seeing me, you know, go to the doctor with my mother, um, go to the assisted living where they lived and make sure everything was in place and uh, making sure to have them to have the things that they wanted in their home there with them. That's that communicated so much to my kids. And so mm-hmm. they they are amazing, compassionate human beings. And and I think because they were part of this whole legacy from my parents to me and from from us to my parents. So that's that's really where I see it being full circle about family. So those are the kind of conversations, just really nitty gritty. And, yeah. and I have some things in the book about how to have those, how to prepare yourself mm-hmm. to have those conversations. Cause number one, it's not a Thanksgiving dinner conversation, right? right. right. <laughs> right. Make, it's not Super Bowl Sunday conversation. Right. You want right. to kind of prepare yourself and, um, and then walk into it 
uh, ready to serve. Yeah. Absolutely. And I agree. I, I had the pleasure of being uh, one of the beta readers for, for your book, which I was so grateful because the thing that opened my eyes that I wasn't even thinking about is I lost both of my parents young. I was 18 when my mom passed and I was 30 mm -hmm. when my father passed. And, um, and I, my, you know, my kids were super, super little, actually, <laughs> I, Christopher wasn't even born yet, actually, when my dad yeah, passed. And so yeah, I yeah. didn't, it, it just didn't even occur to me. And then I read your book and I said, wow, what's, you know, what it, I, the conversations, I love how you brought that up today is what conversations am I going to have with my kids? I may not have, in fact, I didn't really have a frame of reference when it came to my parents. Certainly with my husband's parents, we definitely supported them as they as they were aging a little bit but still it didn't didn't click until i read your book and it really yeah. did open up some very important conversations with our boys with with our boys yeah. so i am super grateful for that and i really love that you do have that framework in there and you know great suggestions and how to do these things cuz sometimes we don't I, we don't know. We don't know. So this right. resource is huge. It's huge and so important. How might people who say come from unhappy families or families with some disruptions and dysfunctions go about having these discussions? Yeah. And, and that's, that's one thing that's really uh, important to me is recognizing, um, you know, I, truly recognize my privilege and and um as much and i'm growing in that growing in that every day but i know that i had uh good role modeling from my parents well what i call good role modeling right mm -hmm. and that's and i i had support for showing up for them to to help out and i had the resources you know my husband and i were you know employed and had our own home and our kids were doing well in school so we you know everything was primed to be able for us to show up and serve them. Not everybody has that situation. Mm -hmm. I also had two siblings who didn't live nearby. I lived 10 minutes away from my parents and my siblings lived out of state. So, but they were on good terms with me, right? I'm very, I'm close to my brother and sister. I'm not as close as we maybe were when we lived together, but you know, we talk often and mm -hmm. we were then and they would support me and not everybody has that. Not everybody has that. And I talk to many people, you know, friends and um, other, other people that I know, uh, colleagues, uh, where it's like, well, we have this one brother who, you know, he wants to get involved, but you know what? He's not mentally okay, stable, right? Or, uh, or it might be, you know, I, have, I know someone whose mother had been um, alcoholic and drug addicted much of her life. And so... My friend grew up in a very chaotic atmosphere, and here was her mother once again uh, needing her. And mm -hmm. this is hard on the heart. It, there's resentment there. Um, and yet she was able to figure out that this was important for her, for closure, to be able to be there for her mother at these, you know, and at the end of her life, but also to set appropriate boundaries for how much she was willing to do mm -hmm. because so much of her life had been being the mother, being the parent, being the caretaker. And, and now with her own family, 
she needed to set boundaries around that. And other people might look on to that and say, wow, why didn't they do you know, Why didn't they do everything? And other people might look at that and say, well, why would you even help her, you know, after all that? But everybody has to make their own choice and every choice is legitimate and valid. But uh, we do have to look at the boundaries. What are we willing to do? How much are we able to give? How much do we want to give? Because when we show up with resentment, like, and here I am having to do right. it again, and I can't mm-hmm. believe I have to use all my money to support my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, there is no law <laughs> in the United States, at least, that says you have to care for your parents at the end of their life. Mm-hmm. There are laws that say, you know, you can't, uh, you, you know, you're responsible for your children, right? You know, you have to get them to school. You need to take you know, child abuse laws. And there are elder abuse laws and there are people who take advantage of older parents. And we have to watch out for that too. Do we have a sibling who's draining the account? Do we have a, a another relative who's maybe moves in with mom and dad? I mean, I've heard tons of horror stories, mm-hmm. but we have to keep coming back to what, if, if we're the person who's really thinking about this and wanting to be there, somehow seeing ourselves taking some role in caring for our parents, you know, thinking about it as a legacy of love is going to help us perhaps draw the right boundaries around what we're doing and how much, who are we saying no to? Do we need to set limits with siblings and and other family members such that our parents aren't abused? But the bottom line is we have to make the decision that we want to do certain things. And then it becomes a free choice. And that's what frees us up to set those boundaries. Because if we come in with our kicking and you know, kicking and screaming and dragging our feet, we're not making good choices. We're making choices out of a place of resentment and and frustration and upset and anger. And those are not great choices. So we have to work on ourselves a little bit. And maybe your choices, I I can't do a lot. I can't do a lot. And I'm going to refer my parents to someone who can help them. That might be the choice you have to make. Mm -hmm. And that's legitimate. You know, it wasn't my experience, but it's I'm not here to say that's not an, a legitimate choice. So you got to take care of yourself. And again, I feel like that's really important for your kids to see too. That's important for your kids to see too. And that that in and of itself becomes a legacy of love. I'm going to stop the pattern of abuse. I'm going to stop the pattern of uh, resentment. I'm going to stop the pattern of um, frustration. Brilliant. That's brilliant. I love how you um, speak to that too in that know what your priorities are, know what your boundaries are, and um, and that you make choices and you stand by those choices. And that that is, I love the message and the legacy of love in that. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Something that I know that you talk about in the book and is like a non-negotiable and so important is self-care. What are some of the things that you find helpful? Yeah, you know, self-care is getting a lot of play right now. Thank goodness, finally, right? We're talking about it more. It's becoming normal. And and we're seeing it, yeah, yeah, right? And we're seeing it beyond, you know, we're not not seeing it in in what may have been previous incarnations of like, you know, have candles on your bathtub and have scented flower. You know, it's more than that. It's like, how do you value yourself? And mm-hmm. that's really where I start with, and I call this ruthless self-care, right? Because if it was our kids, we would show up with everything we had to take care of them. But we don't do that for ourselves all the time. So we have to 
stop and tell us, really get real with ourselves. Do I feel I'm worth it? And if that question unsettles you, that's where you start. You've really got to work on, you know, I am worth it. And uh, I have some different strategies that I think help people with that. One technique that I really love is EFT, emotional freedom technique, also called tapping sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's a meridian-based sort of strategy that kind of helps you work through blocks in our energy system. But it could be meditation. It could be doing some deep journaling and looking at other issues that are unresolved in your life so that you can get to a place of, okay, I do find my value and I do find my how I'm worth it. And if nothing else, thinking about how the message to your children, if you don't take care of yourself, the message to your children is, I don't have to do that. And we want our children to take care of themselves. We want them to grow up with high self-esteem. So we have to role model that sometimes. We have to kind of fight through our feelings of I'm not good enough to, you know, I am good enough. And that means sometimes I have to say no. This is a hard word for women. It's a hard word for parents. Mm -hmm. And we have to learn how to, how to say that and be comfortable with someone might be upset about that. And I say quite frankly in the book, and I feel, and I say this to people that I talk to, sometimes we might have to let go of people who aren't showing up for us. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And I find that those people that we let go of, sometimes they come back to us because they wake up. And sometimes they don't come back to us and we're okay and mm -hmm. <laughs> we move on. But those are some of the things that I find that are really important about self-care. So I think kind of getting real with yourself through meditation, deep journaling, uh, talking with a coach or a therapist. If you have some real family issues or personal issues you need to deal with, I am a huge fan of therapy and get that if you need it and, and work through that. I've used that in my life and coaching. Coaching can really help you get to, well, what am I doing? Okay, let me look at my patterns, my, you know, my, my uh, routines and how am I, oh, that, that's not inconsistent, Christy. You're like doing this and you're sabotaging your, your well-being. And we start to look at that and we set better patterns. Um, and then there's some other kinds of techniques that I think are important. But so it's not so much what you do, it's how you show up to that mindset-wise. So I, a lot of this is internal work, Kelly. I mean, it's hard, isn't it? I think, I think mm -hmm. it's really hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It can be. It absolutely can yeah. be. And I, 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 my heart was so happy when I saw you talk about that in the book. And I love that ruthless self-care. Like <laughs> it's a non-negotiable and yeah. all the things that you talk about. And I, it's so important. If we don't take care of ourselves. We're not going to be taking, we, we can, we can. If we don't take care of ourselves, we can take care of others, but we're not going to be doing it in, in, in a really, uh, you got to take care of yourself first. What do they say when you're on a plane, put the mask on you first oh, yeah. and then others. So we can, yeah. if we don't take care of ourselves, yeah. sure. We can take care of others, but we're not going to be doing it real well. We're not going to no. be doing it real well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we take better care of our cars sometimes, right? Like right. We, we have to put gas in the tank to keep our car going and we do that, right? You know, yes. if we have to go through the couch to find the coins to get a gallon of gas, we'll do it because we got to get our kid to something, right? Uh, or, or we get that oil change if we're going yes. on a long trip. But we don't stop to change our own oil all the time. 
So yeah, it's almost like we need our own maintenance plan, right? We need to come up with our own, you know, every six months, every three months, whatever it is, you know, buy into our own maintenance plan. I love that. What a great metaphor. Like we will fill the tank (laughs) of the car to get us from A to B or to take the kids from A to B. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Please fill your own tanks. Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. So I just have a couple more questions. One of them I'm curious about is, can you talk a bit about the impact on children during this time? And so this is where I really pull on my experience as a school psychologist and and working with kids with special needs, um, working with parents of kids with special needs. And and the thing is, is that, um, like I've said a couple times already, but our children are always learning, right? Mm -hmm. And what I know is that when parents, especially women, mothers, um, and it, it doesn't mean that men don't go through this, have this experience too, and there are some single dads out there or dads who do most of the caretaking, but you know, been, there's been a ton of research around um, mothers who have depression and raising children that that can really transmit some uh, negatives to a child, right? Growing up, a child that doesn't, it, 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 it sort of cuts away at our attachment to our children and insecure attachments sh- show up a lot of times in, in behavior um, and, and kids who aren't able, young kids especially, not able to regulate their emotions and their behaviors. And so we need to be aware of that. And one of the things that's important to recognize is that when, in terms of grief, um, grief doesn't just start when our parent dies. Mm-hmm. I really see grief showing up when we become really aware that our parents are declining. Right. And those times when you start to see your parents needing you in a much more uh, physical way, uh, helping them through difficult times that they used to support you in, mm-hmm. this, is, this can bring us really a lot of emotions and and it can set us into kind of a low level grief and so we have to attend to that because when we then shift from our parents to working with our kids if we're still stuck in that grief you know how do we how do we move compartmentalize and move in a healthy way because sometimes compartmentalization can't be isn't a healthy thing but sometimes it's a necessary thing to kind of get us from dealing with mom and dad and the issues and then getting over here and showing up with joy and love and support for our kids uh, because, you know, parents who stay, don't, don't ever deal with these issues and the, the strong emotions that we're feeling, we, are, we tend to then act those out with our kids and that might not be healthy either, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to find ways to take care. Again, this goes back to self-care, taking care of ourselves, but it can have an impact on our kids. Um, it can be kids who feel very, um, left out. Um, and there are times, and I talk about this a couple times in the book, but everybody who's in this situation has times where they've got to choose between, you know, choose between helping their parent with something and being there for her, for their kid. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to find different systems to support us on both ends of that. I, I really suggest building your team to help mm-hmm. you have other people to help you and so maybe you're not, maybe you find your child another ride to soccer practice or something, but, but how, how are you doing to show up to the games? And, and um, it might come at the same time you have to go to the emergency room with mom or dad, right? And so how do you, what do you do? How do you handle those situations? And how do you grapple with where do I need to be right now? And 
because we're parents of younger children, they could be school age. They could, I mean, you know, all the entire spectrum. It could even be adult children that you're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. People are moving in this pandemic. We've had people who've moved home and we have multi-generational families living together. And that's been a trend. And we have to kind of look at how we show up for our kids in that way. So I think mm-hmm. the impact on children is can, can be phenomenal and mm-hmm. uh, it can be very powerful in a positive way and it can be very powerful in a negative way. And we have to kind of grapple with that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm being as clear as I want to be, but what I, I guess what I would want people to know is that consider that. Consider yes. what are your children seeing in you and how you're showing up for them. Absolutely. I think you were really, really clear. And I know you do talk a lot about this in the book. And I think, you know, there's that saying, it takes a village to raise children. I think that's exactly what you're talking about here in that. And I loved how you said, build your team, build your team, because sometimes we are not going to be able to be present at the soccer game or, or whatever the event is. However, with the team, somebody shows up on our behalf. Yeah, and yeah. and and the child feels that they love yes, that, and they see yeah. that. And again, I think that that is part of legacy of love, and it is mm-hmm. teaching kids that you know as they grow up and they start families that you know it really does take a village, and that's okay. Yeah. That's right, okay. Right. Oh, right, I love right. that so much. This book is amazing. I it is such a gift. I it is it, it is literally such a gift and really opened my eyes to things that I had not even thought about yet. Personally going to be getting a book for my boys, um, for each of them, because even though, I mean, it may, no, I mean, I think we've got to be thinking about this at all different stages. And my kids are, my kids are all adults. So this is, this is something to, to share with them too. So speaking of your book that is launching tomorrow, how can our listeners get the book? Yeah. So it is available on Amazon. So if you just go to amazon.com and it's available on Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, Amazon Australia, and amazon.com in the US. And it is available as an ebook selling for $4.99 or a paperback at $14.99. And you just Google uh, or, or put in the search bar, Legacy of Love, Thriving in the Sandwich Generation, and you will find it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Christy, I want to congratulate you because I know that this was absolutely a legacy of love for you in creating this book and really being a stand for having this conversation start and continue. And I want to really acknowledge you for for really being that spark that is starting that conversation that is so important and providing such an amazing resource in this book. It's phenomenal. I was really honored to be someone who got to read it, and I'm so glad that we get to share this globally through through the podcast. So I encourage everyone to get the book and get the book as a gift for, for others too, because this is such an important conversation that, you know, again, life is busy. We're not always thinking about, and, and we get to. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So, Christy, congratulations on the launch. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And yes. I, I I thank you for saying buy it as a gift because, hey, Mother's Day is around the corner. Yeah. And so is Father's Day. So, yeah. great time. It is such a great time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's <laughs> thank a, you. It is. Yeah, you are so welcome. Thank you for being here and sharing all of this with all our listeners. And um, really, again, thank you for being that stand 
for having this conversation and also providing extraordinary resources for us. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Yes, Thank absolutely. You very much. This has been such a pleasure. I love talking with you. I love your coaching and, and I'm so glad you have this podcast and you're bringing different voices out there. And thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. You are so welcome. So everyone, I am going to make sure that all of Christy's information is in is in the show notes. It will also be on my website. Again, you can find it on Amazon and get the book. Get the book and stay connected with Christy. She's got some more things that will be coming up, other things that will provide even more resources, yeah. support, coming your way. You'll hear about it from me. I'll be sure to uh, to update you guys, but do stay connected with Christy. She's extraordinarily amazing. <laughs> extraordinarily amazing. Thanks, Kelly. You are welcome. You are welcome. So remember everyone, we have a choice to lead our life or follow our circumstances. Life is about knowing your passions, your purpose, your values, and creating an impact in your life and the life of others. And really, who emerges from taking the lead in their lives will be authentic, vulnerable, courageous, committed beyond reason, following through on that commitment, and leaving a legacy of love. Remember, we get to trust that more will be revealed as we move forward. So please take a pause, let go of worry, let go of doubt, and live fully the best version of yourselves. I want to thank you guys for listening today. And as you all know, for more resources, please visit kellyjmobeck.com. Also, subscribe if you haven't yet. Do it today. Rate and review this podcast and share it with the people in your life so that we can take the lead together. Have a great week ahead. And you know what? If it's not shaping up the way you want it to, take the lead and create a fantastic one. I'll talk with you all next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Let's Be Honest Before We Start Pretending. For more resources on taking the lead in your life, head over to kellyjmobeck.com and connect with me on Instagram at Coach Kelly Mobeck. If this episode was helpful for you, please feel free to share it with friends, rate and review it on iTunes. That's Apple Podcasts now. And at any time, feel free to connect with me and let me know what you want to hear next or what you're working on. I'm happy to help. Thanks again for listening. And here's to you taking the lead in your life.